If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about axonics therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control. It gave me my life back. Axonics therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Hello and welcome to episode 116 of Yes, I'll be talking to Ellen O'Reilly in this episode, who is a native of Drogheda and is just starting out in her comedy career before the coronavirus abruptly called to a halt as it's called to a halt all of our comedy careers to a certain extent live comedy at any rate and uh, she's also an amazing musician bass player um, but you'll hear all about that during the podcast so we're well into the lockdown now um, three four weeks in possibly and um, it's becoming a routine thing now just to um, to uh, wake up and there's nothing uh, only things that I've made for myself to do but certainly no uh, live shows and no TV work or radio work or um, anything that involves leaving the house I suppose Um, I am doing a few a fathered head online quizzes so we'll see how that goes that might be a way to make a living I don't know it's all very strange, the world we're living in. I can't stop watching what's happening in America because it's so insane. This man, Donald Trump, going uh, live in front of journalists for up to two hours every day and talking, rambling on, and then um, not being able to take any criticism. And and, uh, like, and then... Um, it's just insane. I, I, actually, I don't know what's insane, more insane. He is an, a, an unbelievable narcissist and uh, a bully and a child. 
But that's one thing. But it's the fact that still millions of millions of people um, still look up to him as, and are, uh, see him as a good leader. I can't figure that one out at all. There was a friend of mine on Facebook um, who who um, is a big fan of of his a friend, a Facebook friend, I should say, and. Uh, I just find that really amazing that you can look at him and see what he does and how he acts and not think, what? Like, is that... If you can still believe that he's a good leader and a and just a, a decent man, because he's not, he's a horrible man, I would say if he's, you have a very bad judgment of people, and um, that's worrying that so many people can... Uh, be that f- far wrong and it's not like i don't um subscribe to the fact that anyone who's a, a democrat is good in any way and like barack obama did some awful things sending in drones to kill people and um many of them innocent people and uh many of them american citizens as well uh, uh so yeah and i and i and I, he got an easy ride from the what they so-called liberal media but he was on a couple of chat shows and nobody pulled him up on anything so um that was really annoying but uh but trump is not case and uh um and and even i gave him the benefit of that when he was going over to meet kim jong-un i thought well hang on maybe he's doing something really good uh he he's the first person that's been able to meet the north korean leader and maybe maybe something good will come of this but obviously nothing came of it at all and uh, now i uh, kim jong-un has gone missing that little chubby little mad-haired cutted dude has disappeared uh, apparently and his sister as well aren't haven't been seen in a while so i wonder what's going on there but we have our own nutcases here in ireland we have um Gemma Doherty and John Waters, who have uh, sued uh, sued the Irish government for for this unconstitutional apparent uh, lockdown, which is ama- amazingly insane as well. We're trying to get over some a health crisis, and these people are taking up the court's time. Um, I suppose they believe that it's some kind of conspiracy and that we're, our freedoms have been taken away. And and we always have to be careful during these times that when we get out of this uh, health scare that, not, that our freedoms are fully restored. But at the same time, we are in a situation where people are dying and it's unbelievable that, that these people, and they're the people, Gemma Doherty particularly, who believes in the 5G, 5G conspiracy that that's... Um, that the people are putting up, uh, putting 5G in and it's, I don't know, killing us? I don't know. Is it killing us? Like, is that what they believe? Like, because it's radiation or something? Like, it's it's bloody insane. I mean, there's radiation. This, the rays from the sun are radiation. And in fact, we should be probably more worried about the rays from the sun than the rays from the 5G rays. And... Uh, there's lots of rays we should be afraid of. Um, and there's lots of things. There's people going around buying cigarettes and killing themselves. Like, you know, maybe we should ban them completely. I don't know. Uh, but uh, 5G is the big thing at the moment. And uh, I think the biggest problem we have in the world is the fact that there's the internet is full of absolute 
garbage and uh, this is the problem you have when there's anyone can print anything they like and put it up there and make it look like it's uh, comes from a, a a proper background you know that everything is fact checked and everything and it's not and and that there are far too many people who are willing to just read anything and just believe it holy shit anyway what am i talking about um i'm just talking about yeah i think yeah probably the internet is far more uh, the nonsense on the internet is far more dangerous than any 5g if anything 5g should be banned because it will increase the amount of bullshit information that will be read by nutcases like jim o'doherty and john waters like he was a prominent journalist seemed to be a decent man he's gone insane okay so um uh so this is ellen o'reilly and what an amazing story and uh this was recorded months ago as well so there's a little <laughs> bit where we talk about the i thought about the coronavirus being in china it hasn't reached here yet in during this conversation and um so so much has changed so quickly so uh and also we're talking about the uh, edinburgh fringe festival and doing the festival which i i uh, i put ellen in contact with the free fringe and she was going to do a show there and in fact, I I applied to do a show and I was refused. So, but um, I uh, and then that's all cancelled now. That's all cancelled, so she won't be doing that. Um, which is a pity, because she had a great show to do, a great story to tell. But everyone's in the same boat, I suppose. Uh, okay, here we go. It's Ellen O'Reilly. <laughs> From Drada? I am. I yeah. am from Drada. I'm from Bally Park. <laughs> I don't know where Bally Park is. Bally Park know. is kind of like, it's up towards Newfield, up near, like if, if you're heading for uh, Green Hills kind of direction. Yeah, okay. Over there, the far side. Although I think far the side. other side is the far side. I don't know. They're all far. As far as They're all far. Yeah. yeah. And uh, did you start playing music as a young girl? Yeah. Very young, like. So I think I started when I was like eight. And yeah. uh I started on piano first, but I was shite, and I gave it up straight away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I did like violin for a year. Still gave that up because that's shite. And uh, then a tin whistle, recorder, accordion. Then my mate over the road um, had a drum kit, and I used to go over and make, muck about on that. And then I played drums in the orchestra in school. And and then when he moved away, we weren't allowed to have a kit in the house, so I had to go up to drums. And then when I was like, and and then a brief moment with a trumpet. <laughs> At one time a band cap. You know Tell what, me more. <laughs> sounds so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. And a nice piece of brass. So <laughs> that was shit. <laughs> nope. um, and then uh, I switched to guitar when I was like 16 because my brother played guitar. And then, um, and then when I was 17, I heard the Lemon song by Led Zeppelin. And it's got a great bass line. And mm. I was like, my brother was like, oh, listen to this, listen to this for all the guitar stuff. 
he was like really feeding the whole guitar thing. Listen to this, listen to what Jimmy Page does here and what Jimi Hendrix does here. And then I just found myself listening to the bass more and more. Mm. And I was like, actually, I want to do that. <laughs> and he was really like, no, don't do that. Bass players, that's not cool. No, no, play guitar. But when I told my dad, he was all like, actually, you know what, that's a good idea. Play bass, you'll never be out of work. Oh, right, yeah, because uh, a lot of bass players were uh, guitarists and the band needs a bass player and they just be, I'll do the bass. Yeah. But it's not a choice. Yeah, I but chose. But you chose. Yeah. But, but, so was your family a musical family then? Yeah, Sounds so like, like my mum's side were all, were all kind of like traditional Irish m- musicians. Right. And then, but my dad's side were all, like my dad was a great piano player and um, his mother was a piano player. And um, and the whole family were like actors and and kind of like vaudeville style. Really? Entertainers in the gaiety and all that. Really? Yeah. I don't know if they're... Like my, yeah. That's amazing, like, because I didn't grow up in a... Uh, you know, an entertainment family. I grew up on a farm, right? And I'm, I'm always um, amazed or kind of in awe of people like who that's that's their, tr- you know, it's part of their family. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's there's maybe, there's a few families in Navin actually, they're musician families and stuff. Mm. And uh, so you as well. Yeah, yeah. And but they weren't professional. I mean, my dad was an electrician. He did it on the side, you know? Right, okay, so okay. All okay. his... Like his sisters, sisters were professional, and his mother, and his aunties, mm. and all that. But but he wasn't. Um, but he was a brilliant piano player. Yeah, and know? and did he uh, uh, play with the bands? Yeah, he had a band called the um, Fox Rocks, like like a show band when he was young. Yeah. And they used to play in some pub. I forget the name of it. I think it was like the King's Head or the King something in Dublin somewhere. Yeah. And uh, he, he had a residency with his band. And this one guy used to come and see them play all the time. And he stood out because big tall. That guy in Dublin in the sixties kind of stood out, right? It was Phil in it, right? Yeah. Right? And he got he became friends with my dad, and every single week he'd come down and say, "Oh, Pat, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm singing in a band. We're called the Black Eagles, blah blah. Oh, I'm in a new band now. We're calling ourselves Thin Lizzy and blah blah blah." And my dad was like, "Yeah, that's great, Phil. Oh, that's great, blah, blah." And he was like, "Yeah, listen, uh, the ba- we can't find a bass player. You know, uh, the lads think I should play bass." And I was like, and my dad was like, "Yeah, that's a good idea, Phil. You should do that." He's like, yeah, but I don't know where uh, what bass to get. I mean, my dad was like, oh, you should try a Fender Precision. They're brilliant. And our bass player, Mick, has one. Mm. And he was like, do you think he'd let me have a go? And he was like, go and ask him. And he asked him, but Mick was this horrible racist-style prick and basically told him to fuck off, you know? Yeah. And uh, so one day, my dad kept all the gear in the van, including the, the bass. And uh, the bass player was running late. And Phil turned up. And my dad was like, look, Mick's running an hour late or something. So do you want to have a go of it? I'll plug it in for you. Mm. He was like, oh, great. So we had a go. And he was like, oh, I can't really do this with my fingers. Like, I don't know I don't know how to do that, Pat. Like, and my dad was like, just play with a pick. It's grand. Yeah. You know, right? Right. And, and he was like, yeah, that's much better, Pat. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, Phil started to come back less and less. But he started to look wilder and wilder. The hair was getting bigger. Goalie, yeah. goalie looking ring, all this shit. And then until the point where he stopped coming all together. And uh, so anyway, my dad then moved to Drogheda um, and he was watching the TV a couple of years later and there was Phil doing whiskey in the jar on top of the pops and wow. my dad was like oh fucking fair play to him <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great story that's yeah. amazing right yeah it's mad yeah it's yeah mad. and did, uh, actually it's funny I was talking to um, one of the musicians from uh, Navin who uh, well he said actually that he, he was in a band when he was like uh, 13 or whatever and they supported Thin Lizzy mm. and um Phil in it passed him his first joint when he was 12 or 13 or something. <laughs> what a legend. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, what was going on? So did, did your dad play around Drogheda? Like, there, there was, um, 
a bit of a trad scene in Drogheda, was it? Yeah, no, no my dad no. was never trad. Oh, your dad wasn't yeah, trad. No, no, he Sorry. was like like rock and roll and obsessed with the Beatles and all that kind of crack. All oh, right, okay, okay. But uh, okay. yeah, no, he didn't. He used to come to all my gigs, but um, he never really gigged. But if it was like a piano going and a few pints, he'd knock out a load of songs. Like he had a brilliant ear. Yeah. Like, the radio would be on and he would just figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't yeah. sing for shit though. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Piano player. So did you have a piano in the house growing up? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a hundred years old. It's still around. You still yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was passed down by my granny or like by her mother or something. Yeah. Granny to me dad to us, so we still have it. Right, right, yeah. right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And so then, um, did you join a band in in Drogheda? Yeah. So I formed a band uh, with mates at school. Uh, probably no one of them. Sinead Brazel, she's a DJ in LMFM. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was the singer in this band we formed at school. We called ourselves. Now it was in Green Hills. So it was all girls. So we called ourselves the Psycho Barbies. Oh, Psycho Barbies. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then uh, and then I became friends with these lads over in the Joeys. Right. And uh, Jagger Murray and that, and and Mokes McCluskey and that. And so we formed a band called Fallen. So mm. I had two bands, and then mm. and then it went from there. Then I, then when I was like. Yeah, okay, so we had, we had to move because of the noise in the cafe, but we're yeah. grand now. <laughs> Noisy granny's coming in. Chatting, after mass maybe. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Post-mass gang are the worst. <laughs> yeah, very noisy. So uh, so you were saying the first band you had were... Was the Psycho Barbies in school. Psycho Barbies, yeah. Sinead Brazel from LMFM. Yeah. And then with a bunch of lads, uh, a band called Fallen as well. Jagger Murray and a few other, and Mokes McCluskey and a few other lads. And then, after that, we got into uh, a band called The Big Ass Band. Don't know if you remember them. No. Big in the t- they were pretty good in the town. Like uh, It was all like reggae and ska and blues and old school rockabilly and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And it was it was like a, a brass section and percussionist and like there was a load of us. That's why it was called The Big Ass Band. Right. It was like fucking 50 of us. <laughs> yeah. You know? It was class and I did that for a few years. And then, then just did other random things. It was in Electric Ladyland with Sharon Gaynor. And um, we did Podge and Raj as ACDC, ACDC right. tribute band. Yeah. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And then um, and then uh, I, I just wanted to do music full time then. Yeah. And I, I always read these books, these magazines called Bassist Magazine, and who, which then became Bass Guitar Magazine. And like stacks of them religiously read this thing. And I always wanted to go to London and study music. Mm. It was like a, a dream I had since I was a teenager, since I started playing bass and taking it seriously. And I just never did it. And then uh, I saw <coughs> an advertisement in the magazine for a scholarship mm. awarded by Music Man Guitars, um, at where they'd you know pay for a year to study a higher diploma over there. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't going to go for it, but my sister convinced me to do it. She's like, what have you got to lose? Because I was like, oh no, some jack-up historious flea guy is going to get it. I'm not going to with it. She was like, no, just do it, just do it anyway. And I got into the final, went over for the final, had to perform like a five-minute bass solo <laughs> yeah. in front of a panel of judges. It was like X Factor. It was mad. Yeah. So I had like a loop pedal and I did chords and then I soloed over it and yeah. d- did all sorts of stuff. And, and I won it then. Wow. So won the scholarship and then, uh, then moved to London and I've been there nine years. Yeah. And then I did a degree there. and A degree in what? In... Uh, and pl- well, bass performance and stuff. So contemporary mm. music. So right. like jazz, reggae, ska, funk, metal, rock, anything. All, all, all as long as it's contemporary, like nothing classical or any of that crack. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
So would you say that your your plane has improved then since you've gone over? Massively, yeah, really, massively, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And then I I worked for like four years in these venues across London called the Piano Works, where we had to play for four four to five hours a night, nothing but requests, any song, any key. No so way. Yeah. So now my ear is like, well, my hearing's to shit now, but my ear, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can figure out stuff pretty quick now, just by ear. Yeah. Just because of that place, because I was there, I was playing there four or five nights a week. You That's know? incredible. Yeah. Any song. Any song, any key. It was mad. Unbelievable. Like you've never ha- been stumped. Like you, you wouldn't. Well, the, the thing is, the singers were the piano players. Yeah. So if you were a bit stumped. You'd have to, f- you just follow them. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Even if you didn't know the song, you could follow them. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So that was like good training. Yeah. And uh, and then won an award at the at the college for best bassist, which was cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then, and I was, as part of the course, because it was awarded by Music Man, I got an endorsement deal with Music Man Guitars then. Mm. And <coughs> through that, I had to play at the bass guitar show, which is a big London bass guitar show every year. On the music man stand and all that kind of stuff, and then um, I also, as part of my scholarship, I had to write a little column in Bass Guitar Magazine, which I was obsessively reading for, dec, you know, ages. Yeah. Since I was a teenager, and I got to write a little column. And then the new editor who took over, he liked my writing so much. He was like, "Hey, do you want to want a job?" So, wow. <laughs> so now I write for them. So I go. I did gear reviews and interviews and show reviews and stuff. But uh, mostly I do interviews, and I've got a cover story coming out. Next month, uh, where I interviewed Victor Wooden. Who's that? Victor Wooden, he's like this famous bass player. I interviewed Geddy Lee for the for the cover not so long ago. Yeah. Geddy Lee from Rush. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, it's cool. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's class. It's mad, like, because I'm obsessed with Rush, and I was just... Yeah. <laughs> rest in peace, Neil Peart, like, but yeah. sitting across from the table in this in this, in this this cafe with Geddy Lee. <laughs> I'm just like, so, Geddy, tell me about your new book. <laughs> Fucking hell, you're from Rush, you're Geddy Lee. Class. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a nerve wracking. Yeah, it was at yeah. first, and then we were just chatting, and it was grand. Like, but and yeah. then you're just like mm. two bass players chatting. Yeah, Musos. yeah, it's cool. So it's mad because yeah. because now bass guitar magazine have taken over the American bass player magazine. So now yeah. anything I write in one goes into the American one as well. So it's wow. it's pretty cool. Like, yeah, that's so class. That's a nice one to yeah. get. That's yeah. amazing. And have you played? Uh, then you go on say might go on tour with. Yeah, big bands and um, <coughs> sometimes I do, sometimes you don't. Like that's, mm. I mean, it's entertainment. Like we were saying earlier on, you can yeah. you can have some like amazing gig, and then you can have a little shitty. I'm in a pub in a corner with an acoustic guitar singing about um, uh, Mary Jane <laughs> and her peg leg. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just telling you last night I did a fiftieth birthday party and it was horrible, and it was like just old. Uh, very old people and kids. And uh, last week I was in Dubai doing a proper good gig, and that's entertainment. For yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to do them all. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes some mad stuff will happen, and I'll go off on tour, and then I'll come back, and I'm in a little pub in the corner. You know, but doesn't matter. I teach as well. Teach at the ICMP. All right. Um, yeah. In London, the Institute of Contemporary Music Performance. Right. And, and BIM sometimes. So. Um, in London, BIM in London. BIM in yeah. Brighton. In Brighton. Yeah, so I like buzz down to the Brighton one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to get into the other BIMs. And there's the one a BIM in, in Bristol, Dublin. isn't there? Um, yeah, there's one in Dublin, yeah. One in Dublin, Brist- there's Bristol, there's Birmingham. There's one in Berlin. Oh, yeah. Brighton and London. Yeah, there's a few. There's like a big chain of them. Right, and and uh, do you think there are there bands coming out of BIM now? 
That yeah, are well, the Kooks came out of the Brighton one. Right, yeah. You know, uh, and... There's a band called Thumper, an Irish band called Thumper, that they all came from the Ar- the Dublin bin. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah, American. well, my guitarist and drummer from my Irish band, the Odd Mollies, they both went to BIM. Right, As yeah. well, like... Um, oh. Do you think there's any, uh, like... What do you get extra from a BIM that you wouldn't get from just playing in bands and learning the industry from just experience? Uh, well, <laughs> but see, well, the reason I wanted, wanted to go to music college was because I wanted to learn about music theory and I wanted to learn how to read and I wanted to learn mm. all the proper stuff. Yeah. You know, so that was my goal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, just, I think when I went... I was already older, like I was about to turn 30 when I went over. And But everyone else was going there was like 18 and it was they'd never played in a band before. Whereas I went in, mm. I haven't done all that anyway. But I learned so much, like, you know, so my playing's massively improved. I, I know about theory, got to learn how to play piano as well when I was there. And, mm. you know, so it depends what you want to get out of it. Some pe- it's, good, it's good for the networking as well, because if I had just gone over to London, just on my own and I wouldn't have necessarily gotten to as n- known as many musicians as I did mm. and and then in saying that there's also a great jam night scene uh, over in um, London that I've, make, I've made loads of friends of mm. you just go to jam nights you go up and play and then suddenly you're, you, you've got a load of new contacts and mates and networks and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know and do you write music yourself? Uh, yeah I do sometimes but it's it's hard to get my band together because yeah. <laughs> the lads are like they're so busy the last time we got together was like May you know that was months ago yeah um, yeah it's hard to get them together like right, it's, right, it's right. tough but it's and uh, what kind of uh, music would you are you into a broad spectrum of music yeah I'm into a broad yeah. spectrum but f- the stuff I want want to be doing on my own stuff is kind it's definitely funk rock I mean I'm a typical bass player I want to do funk yeah rock you know uh, so my own band's kind of like that. It's kind of like Wolf Peck, Corey Wong kind of vibes. Okay, yeah, and uh, right, right, right. And so you use um, thumb type action slap. slap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big slap thumb, yeah. thumb type action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounded dirty. No girl ever wants oh, yeah. to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Hang on a minute. Yeah. I'm going to give you some thumb style action. I was there. doing <laughs> the slap bass symbol that you couldn't see that obviously, but yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. Uh, that looked dodgy it. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You gotta be. I have to be careful these days. Hashtag yeah. me too and all that. Anyway, uh, don't be doing thumb action. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, so uh, now I'm. You 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 contacted me because you want to do comedy. Yeah. So tell me now what what led you. So yeah, you are doing comedy actually. Yeah. You are doing stand up. Yeah. In London. Yeah. Um, and you wanted some of my advice. I hope I hope I gave you some. But um, Definitely. I uh, yeah. So what led you to that? Because it's, I think a personal events in your life. I think. Yeah. Would have mm. led you to to doing stand up. Well, like ever since I was a kid, people have been laughing at shite I've been saying. So. <laughs> yeah. But I never really thought about being. But me, I'll be. I grew up like watching like Tommy Cooper and the Marx Brothers and and and. Bill Bailey and uh, I love Bill Bailey. All those kind of I I grew up loving comedy, right? Yeah. But I never ever entertained the idea of being a comedian. But other people were like saying, like even at school they made me do all the, if they had variety shows they made me do all the introductions and stuff. Yeah. And other people, I didn't see it myself because I'm, it's just the way I go on when I talk, you know. If, if and um, and then yeah. so I moved to London and like people just kept saying it to me like, oh you're funny, you should do comedy and. And then after the more and more people were saying it to me, the more I was like, maybe, maybe, fuck it, maybe I should for the mm. crack, like, because 
what a dream job. Just stand there, have to crack with a load of people and get paid. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. That. <laughs> it's a dream job, yeah. It's a dream job. I was like, I want to fucking do that. <laughs> I'm making you all laugh for free. Yeah. Can I get it backdated to 1986, please? <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> right? Yeah. So then, uh, a few years ago, I'd say it was about five or six years ago, uh, in London, mm. I started, I did this kind of like a, it was like, um, it's like a short course thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Hoopla improv group and did like it was like an eight week course and then at the end you did like a showcase and I did it and, I, and my first stand up comedy thing and it was great it was class loved it and then the very next thing I did my mates convinced me to do King Kong at the at the comedy store which is basically like they con you it's off a, it's a gong show yeah it's yeah. where you get yeah fucking hell and I was, uh, since then I've Spoken to other comedians in London, they were like, "You did your second gig was the Kong. What the fuck is wrong with you? People don't do that until they're like doing the circuit for ten years. What is wrong with you?" And yeah. I was like, I, "I didn't know what it was because I didn't bother to research that because I'm a fucking idiot." Yeah, so I just turned up thinking it was like an open mic. Probably better not knowing. Maybe when yeah, you're I don't going know when there. I got there and I saw what was happening. I was fucking hell brutal, and there are all yeah. these toughs. These drunk toughs with fucking red flags. But mm. I did last two minutes, in fairness. But That's my, very good. I, s- I suppose it is good, but I, I couldn't watch the video because I was just, I couldn't handle it. Mm. And I wasn't in the, the best of form that day anyway. So I was like, how mm. am I? I just don't want to be here. I shouldn't have just... Well, anyway, it just turned me off the whole thing. Mm. And so that was that. kind of entertained the idea, but never again. And then a load of stuff happened in the last few years of my life that just fucking... It's just changed my perspective on everything just mm. can't, I just don't give a fuck anymore so basically my dad um, he went in to get a, a hip and there was all sorts of complications new hip and, and loads of complications he ended up nine months in hospital eventually he died mm. and it was just such a fucking shock mm. and I just went a bit mad after that and then six months uh, he died on the 12th of June 2017 and exactly uh, six months to the day 12th of December mm. I f- was in the shower and I found a lump my mm-hmm. left boob and that turned out to be breast cancer wow and uh, I was only 35 like and uh, mm. it was stage 3 it was stage 3 triple negative breast cancer so it's kind of like the more common one is the hormonal one that happens in older women the triple negative is a rarer one that mm. happens in younger women but it's rare mm. so I don't have the genetics for it there's nothing in my family I had all them tests it was just a fluke yeah. thing but I don't know I believe in kind of mind over matter and I, I kind of believe like because I I after my dad died, I just didn't see the point. I just didn't want to be here. Like, and it was. It, I, I I feel like I, uh, I I stressed myself out to such a point that I brought it on. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure stress does uh, affect you that way. Absolutely, because yeah. what that is kind ca- of or a cancer. big life? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because cancer is is, is a is your cells growing wrong? Because you're mm. creating new cells the whole time, mm. but you can't uh, you can't be uh, healthy in a in a, a body that's not at ease that's what dis-ease is you know mm. what I mean so mm. that just came out of nowhere it was the size of a golf ball it was 24 millimetres big it's wow. massive and it was like there was no warning sign it was just suddenly there's a huge there. lump it was wow. kind of like a few weeks before I, f- I felt a little kind of pee t- type thing and I remember talking to friends and they were like oh it's probably just a cyst you'll be fine so I didn't I was like right that's out of the head I'm not looking yeah. at that again and then I went into the shower that I was having a cry in the shower because my dad's anniversary oh. and it was like holy shit it's a huge lump on your dad's anniversary yeah so then and that was just before Christmas so I had to do tests went back came home to Ireland for Christmas and um, then after Christmas I went back for my results and they were like yeah you've got cancer and you need to start chemo ASAP 
So yeah. I had to do all the scans, the MRIs, the bone scans, all that shit. By the end of January, I was already starting chemo. So I had, um, well, I had an operation first. I had a lymph node removed. And luckily, there was no cancer there. Because mm. once it gets in there, it gets, it, it's a lot harder to deal with. Mm. Um, so then I went straight on to chemo and had seven months of chemotherapy. And I lost my hair on my head, eyebrows, eyelashes, everything. Even nasal hair. And you don't, the weird thing about nasal hair, you don't, right, you take for granted nasal hair, right? Yeah. You really do. Because, you know, when you were a kid and just, you always have snots on your face. Yeah. It was like that. I was just constantly Are you snotty. serious? Yeah. Because of the hairs were gone? Yeah. Just snot all over me. I was like, mm. I was like, I was a little kid. My God, I didn't I even. <laughs> so you missed the uh, snots? <laughs> you missed the hairs. Yeah, I did because I was just like snotting into myself yeah. the whole time. It was mad. Yeah, you don't realize wow, like I function of those yeah. little things. And is that, is eyebrows that as well. I was constantly sweating into my eyes. Oh really? And you dust no was getting eyebrows. into my eyes, eyelashes, eyebrows. They, they actually have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was going around, like blinking with covered in snots. You know what I mean? And oh bald. Oh my god! Gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Phil Collins on crack. <laughs> Is that why uh, kids have loads of snots? Because uh, have kids not got nasal hairs? Maybe that's what it is. Or they or they haven't grown yet, or something. Maybe that's what it is. Mm. That they're not. That is a question. That's the the <laughs> current question of our time. And really, really <laughs> old men have never have snots. Exactly. It's <laughs> got massive hairs to yeah. their noses. <laughs> Snotless. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Then after the tough. chemo. I had to have another operation where luckily my tumour, it shrunk to zero. They shrunk it to absolute zero. So wow. I didn't lose the boob, but like I'd have a lumpectomy to go in and just take out the tissue. So I had that operation. Mm. And then I had a month of radiotherapy and I've been in remission over a year now. So yeah, That's happy days. Brilliant. Got hair and everything. It's great. <laughs> no more snots. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely eyebrows. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, uh, so yeah, and then I, and then, uh, I was in a relationship for seven years and everything just put a big strain on us and then he just we broke up and he fecked off to China like to China <laughs> yeah I was like I mean I know I farted in my sleep but really do you had to move did you have to move to China you know what I mean it's not that bad well the joke's on him now because they've got the coronavirus so. oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> fuck you <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just have a bit of wind mate you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so that happened so wow just so it was right after I found out I was in remission it was like right I'm off <laughs> Wait, China I was like right <laughs> so I was just fuck so uh, all this other stuff mm. and then uh, and, and, and then I was working these um, these venues for years and I got this new MD in and like I wasn't in the right state of mind at all because like basically after like after my dad died, I was I, I did not deal with that at all. And then suddenly I had to deal with cancer mm. and my way of dealing with cancer was like to take the piss out of it kind of thing. Yeah. But once it was over, it just all hit me. And then then suddenly he's gone and I'm just like, I had to deal with that then. Your boyfriend's gone. Yep. Yeah. And then so out when I was working in these venues, playing in this band, house band in these venues, I uh, I just couldn't deal with it, so I was getting I I was I wasn't myself, so I was getting like tick with people, and I was getting a bit antsy about stuff, and I was mm. I was I was becoming a bit of a pain in the hole. Anyway, this new MD just decided to fucking fire me, and I had no other work, so I, I everything it was just like one thing after another. Then the fucking cat died. <laughs> really, <laughs> my favorite cat. Two, the other one's a prick. Like yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Charlie died, like, and then uh, so Jesus. so then yeah, it was just one thing after another. So then I just had to f- just I managed to kind of 
get my head right then. And then uh, mm. then I got lucky. I got a, a job playing in this amazing comedy musical called Operation Mincemeat, which is all about World War Two, And it's hilarious. Like, mm. it's, okay, we're winning a war. Like, so we did that last year and now it's back. So we did the first few weeks of January doing that in London. It's coming back in May and mm. then we're doing the Edinburgh Fringe in August. So I'll be up playing for that. And then hopefully we'll get a West End transfer for, for next year then, mm. 2021. Mm. So, but it's doing really but well. Like we're getting loads of reviews and shit mm-hmm. like that. But you're saying it has changed all of these events, uh, catastrophe kind of events. Yeah. Uh, catastrophic, sorry. But uh, they've your attitude to life has changed. Now, how, how did that kind of come about? How did you, in your mind, click and be, get out of that Kind of, I pres- you know, was it depression? Yeah. Oh like yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was bad depressed. Yeah. And yeah. And it just seemed like every time, it's, it just shit just kept happening. Yeah. Then oh, my car was getting towed all the time. <laughs> just constantly, it was just constant shit. Yeah, you know what? I've been through a, a time where I was really depressed, and things, other things. I think it's because your concentration gone. I remember I, I uh, was parking the car near a pillar but and i just smacked the the side mirror and just little things like that kept happening i think it's because your kind of mind is not on things at all it's also and it's harder to do small little (laughs) the jobs that you have to do that you're kind of not doing them right you can't focus yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah it's hard but also i think i i believe in like the law of attraction and all and it just it, there was like a downward spiral for a while, and just everything, every little thing was there was something shit happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I've lost my phone now. You know, just constant. Yeah. So then once I started, so when I was doing Operation Mincemeat the first time we did it, I still wasn't quite right, and uh, but it was getting me out, and 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 plus I had this yearning to do comedy as well, you know, um, because it helps. I. It, I'm sure you feel the same. When shit happens, it helps to take the piss out of it. It's like therapy, nearly. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I've all, I've said it a few times now, but uh, I uh, being on stage was my release all uh, throughout any times like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so being getting into that musical, it was amazing because they're a comedy like troupe. You know, they're like yeah. sketch writers and stuff, and one of them even writes. Um, like podcast shows for the BBC and everything, like their their, their class. Mm. So being in that environment, you know, and and they've been really supportive. They were like, "Yeah, we'll help you," and blah blah blah. And mm. and and now, it's it's like the universe is is, it's all happening now. Mm. You know, like um, like I, I went on this random, uh, Tinder date in London, and w- we were somewhere in Angel, and I was like, "Oh, let's we're, we're going f- somewhere for a drink, me and this lad, right?" Mm. And I was like, um. Oh, let's go over here. This this place. It's called the oh, what's the name of that fame? There's a famous actor, Bill Murray. The Bill Murray, mm-hmm. and they have the Angel Comedy Club in there. Mm. So we went in there and just didn't know who was on. And we went in and it was roast battles. Oh yeah, fucking class. And there was these two in particular that really stood out, right? This really really camp guy, and then this really all right, bro, in it. Yeah, yeah, all right, sniffing glue. All right, bro, right. You know, yeah. really North London in it. You know, kind of yeah. guy. And they were hilarious. And um. We stayed back drinking and then they were stayed back as well. So the four of us were the last to leave. Yeah. And then we got chatting as we were coming out the door. And uh, the real, all right, in a bruv lad was all like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, so you live in London? I was like, yeah, yeah. And, and he was like, where? And I was like, I live like Gospel Oak, blah, blah. He was like, no way, I live in Gospel Oak. What's your po- postcode? And we actually said the same postcode because he mm-hmm. lives in a flat above me. No way. And he's like a comedian in London. And 
Harry Potter. He does this these Harry Potter piss takes on YouTube. They're hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we, uh, and then the other guy as well. He's he's doing really well as well. And uh, and then we all um. So it was mad. And, mm. now, and now, like, I go with Gary to do open mics in 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 London now. Like he's mm. like my, my comedy buddy over there, and stuff like that. And and then I went off to Korea after Operation Mince Meat the first time. I fecked off to Korea for a month and get my head right as well, because mm. I was like, I need to just fuck off somewhere, somewhere mad. Mm. So I was like, Korea, grand. <laughs> hey Kim, you know, mm. just for the crack. So I went right, and um, and while I was there, I was just on my mac and i was googling stuff and i was like i want to do something to raise money for cancer research and i want to do comedy but i, I don't know how to go about it because mm. I, I didn't want to just i had to like do a core and, and i needed to do something to get me to do it you know what i mean mm. i needed like a guidance you know to get me on the road mm. so i googled and this thing came up ultra comedy and it was basically a eight weeks training with mike gunn who you know yeah i know him yeah. and uh and and then a showcase at the backyard comedy club, mm. and you're raising money for cancer research, and it was like perfect. It was like, how did the universe give me this? Yeah. And so I did that, raised money. We all raised nearly like I think it was nearly three grand or something like that. No, I think it was more than that. Anyway, um, and got to do the backyard, and it was class, and and uh, I ended up being the headliner, which was amazing. Mm. And then since then, I've been doing uh, lots of different open mics and 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 things like that, and trying yeah. to keep it going, like. Yeah. Um. And, but yeah, after everything that happened, after cancer, death, breakup, fucking dead cats, all that shit, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fuck it, I've nothing to lose. Yeah, it, I, it, that's I think uh, the actual point you get to maybe uh, certain times you like, but you go, uh, you, you lose the fear, because it's fear that holds people back to, mm. from doing a lot of things. What if I, what? If I make a fool of myself, people mm. go, you fucking idiot, how could you do that? <laughs> yeah. That, well, is that in your head? It's not pe that people probably would say that, but in your head you're thinking that. And then, but if yeah. you go, I've nothing to lose. Yeah. That's a know. great freedom then, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. I was like, fuck it, I've gone through all this shit. Yeah. You know, um, it's just like talking to a bunch of my mates in the pub, making them not, like I don't, I'm just talking shit and they're laughing. Yeah. It's just the same, but with a microphone. And a few extra people. <laughs> right, know? yeah, yeah. So that's the way I was looking at it. But, I, but because it was f at the Backyard Comedy Club and it was for c for cancer research, I decided to do it all about my experiences. Like, because when I had cancer, people were just saying, some people were just saying the most retarded things. You know, like, yeah. oh my God, you should like come off chemo and suck on pomegranate seeds and um, shove dandelion juice <laughs> up your arse. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, really? People are kind Chant of fucking... Gandalf five times yeah. in a, and run around in a, in a field. Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Coming off chemo, you dickhead. Like, come on. Yeah. I'll die. I would actually die. My, my, I had stage three fucking cancer. I'm not coming off chemo. Fuck off. Just right. people saying retarded things like, or you've got a lovely head. Really? <laughs> 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 you lovely head. I have a lovely yeah. head. Nobody looks at a head and thinks, uh, oh, great. You know what I mean? You don't get lads coming over to you and just licking your skull. So are you? Think, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, they don't. Well, you. There might be some club that does that where that happens, but, but it's in, in general, Berlin. In Berlin. Yeah, probably in Berlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the lollipop yeah. club. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Welcome to Bellends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But like in general, I suppose people don't know what to say if you yeah say you've got cancer. I suppose yeah, it's a conversation stopper, is it? It is. Or people like, just say random shit and they get flustered or something. I I just my way of dealing with it was like to take the piss out of it. Yeah. So I I had a little WhatsApp group called Tumor Humor. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Where my friend, where I'd keep my friends posted about how I was getting on, but I'd also be yeah. taking the piss like. Look at me, look at me wig. Yeah. <laughs> me scarf. Yeah. Uh, you know, just shout like that. Like, cool. Um, and it was my way of dealing with it. And if people, but, and, and if people, I, I could see people getting uncomfortable, I would take the piss and then they'd be at ease then. Yeah. yeah because yeah. it was it was the only way to deal with it, just to laugh at it. It was like, I know I keep going on about the law of attraction and the secret and all that shit, but honest to God, like, it, it, de-stressing yourself is the best way to heal. Because mm. you're, you're, the, the chemo and all that, was working and I was eating healthily. I was vegan and all that shit. And um and I was eating healthily, I was doing all the things, getting loaded on cannabis oil, which is the best crack in the world. <laughs> mm. And that helps. Cause like chemo was it was like going from being thirty five to being ninety. I could I could barely I could going from the couch to the bathroom was like an order it was like I, I'd be walking so slow. I was like a little old lady, you know, it was yeah. Mad. yeah, I wasn't allowed uh see people who had colds running because my immune system was so low and mm. had to inject myself like pulp fiction and yeah with immune boosting cause into your tummy belly, yeah. yeah had to go poof, all that kind of stuff wow. first time I did it I couldn't handle it and then after I did it I was just like yep grand yeah grand. just get used to it and um, all, all this stuff so uh, so I decided to when I did the backyard comedy club to just talk about my experience my own experience with cancer like I would never because we were told because it's for cancer research you're not allowed to make any jokes about cancer and I was like well I want to talk about my journey I would never take the piss out of anyone else that's bullshit mm -hmm. that's a horrible thing to do why mm -hmm. would I do that I'll talk about my own experience and they were like oh if it's about your own thing then yeah that's no problem so I did I just took the piss out of you know how I look like a ball bag and shit like that you know mm. <laughs> <laughs> right that's uh, so and, and like you you uh I think you're doing you're doing Edinburgh with the band with the musical. Is yeah, that right? You told yeah. me, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were telling so me about doing I, some open mics. I think you should do uh, a show, or even maybe a double show, if you don't feel you can write a whole hour, um, just on that subject matter. On well, whatever subject you want, but I mean, there that's yeah. something you could talk about. I think there's there's loads to be talked about there. You know, yeah. I, 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 I am thinking of doing that. That would be great. A one, uh, like an hour show, tumor, call it Tumor Humor. Yeah. And about my whole experience, you yeah. know. But I'd incorporate all the stuff because it was just the last three years were just, it was just one thing after the whole The whole thing, the whole thing. But I'll yeah. concentrate on the cancer thing, I suppose, yeah. most. But um, yeah, I, I've got loads more to write in. And Mike Gunn gave me loads of feedback on that. On I sent you the video. Did you watch? You didn't watch the video yet. <gasps> no, I haven't. Sorry. Ah, oh, feck. You sent me a link. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't. Sh I didn't know what it was. Sorry. All right, that's the link. That's the video. <laughs> that's the video okay. of the backyard comedy club. Okay, okay, sorry. I will watch know. it. That was very bad research on my behalf, <laughs> considering I was going to interview you for a podcast. <laughs> You're grand. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's grand. It's grand. Um, uh, uh. No, he he was just like I think over in England they do tend to tell you. I'm sure you got it too. Talk slower. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Because of your accent now, yeah. I and you wouldn't think you'd have an accent. I, I, I thought I don't have an accent, but we do. But the, we do, yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely London. Actually, uh, uh, the further north you go, the more they can understand you. 
and More in Scotland, they definitely understand you because the way them. they talk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they can understand each other, they can understand us. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's Lund- It's the further south you go, the slower yeah. you have to talk. Exactly. Yeah. And then they laugh at. Oh, I don't know if you get this, but you're saying something like, well, "I used to do something about tongs, people wearing tongs," and then you just hear them in the audience goes, "Tongue, tongue," yeah. you know, he's saying tongue. Yeah, the the th thing, they can't get over that. They can't <laughs> get over <laughs> it. Yeah. Where are you? I'll see you at three thirty. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three Tory. And then they, they just do an impression of you in front of your face and you're like, fuck's sake. Thirty say thirty say thirty three and a third. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh yeah, you know, you should definitely do that. Do the because you're gonna be in Edinburgh doing the musical, I my advice. But I, I mean I am gonna try and I get I get you the contacts there and hopefully that'll ho- yeah, work great. out. Thanks so much. Yeah. That's gonna be brilliant. So Yeah, man. Um listen, it's good chatting with you. And uh, sure, I'll see you around. You're coming back and forth to Drogheda. You're going out with some fella from Drogheda. I am, yeah. Yeah. Got myself a local boy. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Okay, so you'll be back and forth then. I'll be back and forth. Back and forth and up and down. I'll just hang out with you and your boyfriend. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be uh, just sitting there with the two. (laughs) (laughs) The toward wheel. Yeah, yeah. The gooseberry, is it? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, stay tuned and... uh, Hopefully you'll be doing Edinburgh French. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Joe. Okay, thanks a lot. Oh yeah. So hopefully when this is all over, I can uh, you you can see Ellen O'Reilly doing her comedy around, and I'd like to work with Ellen as well. She's a great musician. I'd like to be able to like hopefully to write. We plans to write songs together, so let's uh, hope that that will happen later in the year. Um, but in the meantime, if you're uh, listening to this podcast and you want to find out where I am, you can see I'm putting up sketches on a regular basis on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter. Everything. I'm all over that stuff mate all right um and yeah that's what's happening at the moment and that next one uh, i think will be with joe caulfield this um english comedian uh and after that i'm gonna have to start doing new ones and see if i can do some on over the phone and there's another podcast called talking ted which will be coming out soon which is me and Patrick McDonald looking at episodes of Father Ted and talking about them and going on the phone and talking to actors from each particular episode. Um, that should be out very soon, first episode, because it's 25 years since the first episode of Father Ted went out. 25 years. Unbelievable. So... Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon. Good luck. Bye bye. Being a parent can be really challenging. 
It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.